that case. Hope not hates are basically controlling Britain. Hope not hate. An alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backward thinking, virtue sick, virtue signaling, fake news crate. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. It is uh, January. Uh, the 18th, 2019, I'm joined by my colleague Sophia. Hey. And by Joe. Happy New Year. Are you ever Joseph? Um, my mum sometimes, but very rarely actually. When she's very angry yeah. or something. Formal documentation only, really. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that came to mind, but um, just sort of clear that up. Uh, thank you. I'm Matthew, and thank you for, for tuning back into another year of uh, uh, of our chat and analysis about the, the far right and uh, the forces of hate. Um, sounded a bit like David Brentland, didn't I? <laughs> uh, we're going to be covering a, a range of things today. As usual, we're going to talk about the yellow vest protests outside Parliament, have a bit of a chat about Brexit and how uh, Brexit is impacting the far right. And then uh, uh, a, on a cheerier note, uh, go over and see how things are, are going uh, in the States with the uh, debate on uh, migration and immigration. One thing just up top I want to say... Um, uh, Leaving a review, sharing uh, this podcast is a really great help for making sure other people uh, hear about uh, uh, this um, uh, podcast series. Uh, if you're an iTunes user, please go and leave a review. Uh, please share these episodes on, on Facebook. It's a, it's a huge help. And the other thing I want to do up top is uh, say a huge thank you to everyone who donated to our education appeal in December. We were trying to raise £25,000 to support our work in schools. Our colleague Owen Jones, who was on our a pod... Not that in, Owen Jones. Not that Owen Jones. <laughs> uh, our colleague Owen Jones, uh, who was on this podcast in uh, December... Uh, does incredible work in schools across the country talking to young people about uh, discrimination, prejudice and, and hate um, and um, we hit our goal and uh, his work will continue this year. We were uh, raising money to ensure that uh, the services we provide to schools around the country could continue to be free and that's a, a big part of making sure that he gets in front of the, the right people. So thank you to everyone who donated. Um, uh, your Your contributions will make a big difference throughout this year. So, with that aside, that that moment of hope aside, let's get into the uh, let's get into the depressing <laughs> the stuff. Um, Joe, you've been following the uh, the yellow vest uh, protests, and um, uh, James Goddard, uh, uh, who was covered quite extensively by our colleagues Matthew and Duncan uh, last week, and I've really encouraged people to go back and listen to that if you haven't had a chance to. But what's been happening since? Then? Um, and for those who haven't listened to a podcast. Who is James Goddard? <laughs> Good question. So the yellow vests, um, I'm just, I guess, very briefly, as uh, many of you might have seen, that this is a big thing that's been going on in France for quite some time. Um, as the French do, there's been lots of protests, lots of burning cars. <laughs> Only joking, Sophia. Um, uh, and they happen to be wearing yellow vests. Um, and we've seen various copycat attempts being brought over to the UK by various different uh, parts of the political spectrum. But obviously, understandably, we're interested in the kind of far-right incarnation that we've seen in the UK. Basically, what we've seen is a small group of uh, racist people dressed as traffic wardens harassing and haranguing people on the streets of the UK. And there's a few things uh, interesting to say about them. Um, they're remarkably small, is, is the, f the first thing. There is a kind of outweighted amount they're short? Yeah, yeah, well, some of them are. Um, there's a guy called Max Millet, who's, who's quite petite and all that. But um, <laughs> uh, come on to him, he's an amusing character. But they're a relatively small force, but they have had a kind of exponentially larger impact. Uh, we've seen a huge amount of press coverage. And the big element of press coverage has been around them haranguing Anna Soubry and Owen Jones outside Parliament. 
That Owen Jones. That yeah, this time that Owen Jones rather than our Owen Jones. And um, but you know, just being really, really nasty, really, really confrontational. Now, there's a few things I think that are interesting about the yellow vest. One is it just shows this kind of new wave of really openly confrontational far-right politics, street-based politics that we've been seeing. Um, it's really, really worrying. This is a group that are confident enough and angry enough, perhaps more importantly, to get in people's faces, uh, to, to try and intimidate people on the streets, to try and to, uh, intimidate elected officials, even if you disagree with them, outside Parliament, and by being really, really confrontational. And unsurprisingly... Um, one thing to note is they have gone after women MPs more than they really have men MPs and they've gone after people from the LGBT community they've been homophobic, they've been sexist and they've been racist so they're worth looking at another thing I think is worth kind of touching on is they are the same people in many cases that we've been looking at for the last year and a half just in yellow vests Mm. so anyone who's interested in the Tommy Robinson events we saw last year will have noticed James Goddard kind of spoken at one of them they've been around this other guy Max Millet always wears a Trump hat red hat he's been hanging around Hyde Park Corner for a long time he's been turning up at demonstrations it's the same group of people that have kind of taken on this new French yellow vest thing so it's you said it's a small group so they're just piggybacking on the French yeah I mean basically I mean as I say this is mainly a group of activists that have been active in this sort of politics for quite a while um, that They've have turned up other uniforms. demonstrations, been doing other things, and they've seen what's been going on in France with this yellow vest. They've taken the kind of bastardized idea of notion of uh, we're anti-elite, we're standing up for the people, and so they've adopted the the, the vest. Look, Matthew uh, uh, last week uh, dis- described it. That they're not a new threat; it's just a new item of clothing. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and 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 I think that's actually generally speaking with these things, it's unlikely that as a force it will work in the UK. Whenever you see a far right group attempt to uh, adopt the kind of iconography or even language of other groups on different parts of the world, even if they agree ideologically, they very rarely kind of work. We saw that when we saw Pegida trying to be launched in the UK, coming over from Dresden, and we saw it on the continent when they tried to adopt, say, English Defence League. What about generation identity? Well, I mean, actually, I mean, they are kind of a slightly separate case in the sense that they were conceived in a transnational sense. They were conceived as believing the threat was continent-wide. But if we look at the United Kingdom at the moment, they're in the toilet, actually. Generation Identity have just had a split. They're down to a handful of activists. They really aren't worth talking about. Just on the, on the, on the, the scale of the, of the threat, I think it's important to um, separate out the kind of widespread uh, you know, debate-changing threat um, or the threat of widespread violence, which I, I totally agree they don't they don't pose that but i think there is a there is a threat to the kind of the effective functioning of um our democratic processes um you know it 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 might look just like or someone shouting at somebody in the street but uh mps are i think under uh, an an enormous amount of um their, their their harassment is going on um uh, ab- abuse isn't as obviously as bad as physical violence but having someone in your face screaming when you don't know whether it might turn to violence at any moment um, especially for MPs who uh, were friends with or knew uh, Joe Cox um, I think that it can have a real impact on um, the proper functioning of, of, of parliament the proper functioning of, of, of debate um, so I'm, I'm worried about it from that sense but I, you know obviously yeah, no, I, agree. I completely agree with you there and, and I think actually if we're going to look at what the threat does the yellow vest poses um, 
I think it's better to understand them within the kind of continuity of what we've seen in the last year and a half. Yeah. This isn't something new. As I say, as Matthew Collins said, this is kind of the same people in slightly different clothing. And this movement in a broad sense, the Yellow Vest is just one manifestation of this mass of angry people that we've been looking at. And the ability for them to, as you say, affect discourse, the ability them to engage in violence, because we have seen this movement engage in extreme violence on the streets of London in the last year. Um, so just because they're wearing high visibility jackets... Uh, just means we'll see them more while they're committing the violence. I've really enjoyed the one thing I've really enjoyed about this is the uh, photos uh, builders have been posting of their own yellow vests. <laughs> yeah. They're writing on the back, "I am a genuine surveyor, not a Nazi." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's something. Well, let's go on to talk about uh, Brexit a little bit because these people are trying to piggyback on the on the Brexit debate. We obviously had the um, uh, vote in Parliament earlier this week, the uh, biggest defeat for a sitting government um, in history. Um, or modern history, um, uh, not not just any old uh, policy defeat either, but the defeat of the central policy of the entire government. So quite quite an impact. Um, Theresa May definitely written into the history books this week, and then the um, the vote of no confidence, which uh, uh, failed to pass. Um, so there there are talks going on at the moment. Um, Theresa May is trying to meet with various party leaders, um, not getting in to talk to all of them because of her refusal to rule out. A no deal, um, but obviously this is uh, Thursday morning. We're recording this. We'll release it on Friday. I'm sure everyone will be listening almost instantly once it's downloaded onto phones. <laughs> but even b- between now and tomorrow, the, the the news will will change pretty dramatically. So I have absolutely no idea <laughs> where this whole thing is going. I think that a lot of people are waiting for it to be written in the history books and then try and understand from there because uh, there's some really funny tweets um, about parents trying to explain Brexit to their kids and utterly failing. Yeah, I mean, I've got a kind of a uh, thing where... Uh, one minute I just turn my phone off, turn the radio off, I want to hide under my bed, and then you remember it's really important, you check it, you listen to it for five minutes, get really depressed again. No matter what position you take on it, it's unbearable. So you turn it off again. I, mean, I think most people are like that. Everyone's kind of had enough of it, to be honest. I don't know about you guys, but I managed to kind of switch off from Brexit over Christmas, and it was wonderful. I know, wasn't it? I, I'd kind of forgotten it had happened a little bit. I took a week, I turned my phone off for a whole week, and didn't listen to anything. It, it did feel a little bit like the entire country just an unspoken agreement to just like let's just leave this alone for a little while i didn't even get that much of a discussion about it over the christmas dinner table my my in-laws are quite political and 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 very very interested in this kind of uh, stuff and love talking politics uh whenever we go and visit but uh, i think they could see in my face i wasn't i wasn't that for it you know we don't know where this is going to go there's going to be talks in parliament it feels to me like things are very deadlocked um you know hope not hate has taken a position of um, given that Parliament is deadlocked, um, the whole thing should be uh, kicked back to, to voters to, to, to have the final say. But I think one of the things that um, is really important if that does happen is that all of the options um, are, on, are on the ballot paper. There's this notion from some people on the Leave side that you can have a referendum of no deal versus May's deal, and those are the only two options. There's some talk from uh, people that want us to stay in the EU that you could have um, a, a, you know, a, a, a vote between Theresa May's deal or Remain and I think both of those um, ideas would be absolutely catastrophic I think having a referendum where a huge chunk of public opinion wasn't represented on the ballot paper would be uh, tremendously counterproductive but it's an interesting one isn't it because, it, I, because it's difficult, I mean I can see both sides of that debate um, you can have it from the position of we should have Remain on the debate because there's a huge amount of the population that want that and then other people are arguing that 
the first vote could have been essentially seen as in out and the second one is then should be about the relationship with the European Union um it's really, really complex. I mean, and the, I think the only thing that everyone has absolute consensus on is those people who say this is simple, especially on the far right. This is simple. This is obvious. Um, I think we can all agree those people are idiots. Um, <laughs> anything beyond that, I think everyone's struggling to find some sort of consensus. You know, it's definitely not. It's definitely not simple. There's no way to cut, <laughs> no way to cut Gordian's knot on this one. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to get both of your takes on was um, the story over the weekend uh, where Chris Grayling. Um, took time out from uh, knackering the train uh, system to warn that um, uh, any notion that we don't leave the European Union would be a huge boost to the far right. And, you know, I think that was really inflammatory uh, chat. Um, I think that, you know, we should like, like to get both of your takes on on the nature of the, th- the far right um, uh, threat um, coming out of this Brexit discussion. But it really it really struck me as being... Um, you know, waving the threat around as a way of trying to shore up uh, their their parliamentary arithmetic ahead of the ahead of the vote on on Tuesday. I feel like he's not the only politi- politician to use the it's either me or it's either this or the far right. Like you, if you don't agree with me, if you don't go with it, then you're choosing the far right. And uh, you've you've seen that in France. You've seen that, and it's 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 uh, that thing again about having only two choices, and you're ignoring a large portion of the population. Yeah, I mean, there's some things he just got compl- he just got wrong, right? For example, um, in in the the front page of the newspaper it was the Mail, wasn't it? When they were talking about it, it says he's you know there's going to be a rise in Nazism. Um, the, the drivers of something like Nazism and neo-Nazi movements are fundamentally different to this. You're not going to see people adopting the swastika because they dislike Europe. Um, so you know, and they dislike Europe. so. There's a whole reason that he was just fundamentally wrong on that, and I completely agree. in when it comes to this notion of uh, waving this and using this deeply serious issue around the rise of the far right as a way to try and force through whatever politics he wants. Um, I think we have to be extremely vigilant in terms of the effects of Brexit on the far right. There is a huge amount of evidence, I think, to suggest that um, this will be used by the far right. And I, I agree with those who absolutely say that it will be used by the far right almost no matter what the outcome. Um, Within that, there are degrees. I think the one thing we have to be most uh, concerned about, and this is not to say that either side has to take a position on it, but there is a group of people that have a susceptibility to far-right politics that are perhaps not engaged in far-right politics right now. And those people would feel extremely betrayed if there was a Remain vote. Um, It's not to say that there shouldn't be a Remain vote, but we have to be aware that if in that circumstance there is a group of people where betrayal and the sense that optimism... Well, it has been taken from them. That makes them a really, really uh, susceptible group to being used and approached by the far right, and we have to be conscious of that um, because it's a very, very real threat. I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let's um, move on uh, to something a bit brighter and cheerier. Trump's America. Uh, I don't know if we'd call that brighter or cheerier. I think that uh, was British humour. It was. It was an attempt at British humour. <laughs> Um, yes, so Trump's wall, um, it's been 27 days, I've got, no, 28 when this comes out, uh, of government shutdown, there has been no breakthrough. The, the longest government shutdown in history. Yep. Um, and Just for those who don't know, government shutdown means 
It's yeah. not that the government's not there, it means that the Everyone not is still paid. there. All, not all, paid. all of the functions of, well, most of the functions of the government are discontinued. You... Uh, can't go and renew your driver's license. You, uh, uh, you know, there are fewer staff at the airports checking security. And they like shut that. down museums. Is this right? M- museums, and national, national parks. parks. The horror. Yeah. So um, this all centers around the five point seven billion dollars that Trump wants for his wall. And um, I looked at a few of the statistics, and it doesn't seem like it's going his way at all. Um, (laughs) According to the Pew Research Center, only 29% of Americans think it would be unacceptable to reopen the government without expanding physical barriers. Uh, Meanwhile, there's Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, that demanded that Trump delay the State of the Union address or delivers it in writing. Uh, because of the tension and the on the staff. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, there's, there's, there isn't money for things like Secret Service, um, which is the, an important thing to have. It's a very important thing to have, uh, and the State of the Union is is one of the uh, Secret Service top tier designated uh, security events. You've got the almost the entire uh, leadership of the nation in mm. one place at one time. I think they even made a, a, a TV series about it. I don't know if you heard... Designated. Desig- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is one... The one person gets designated as uh, staying away in case there's a catastrophic event. But they, they spend a lot of money and staff time on trying to ensure there isn't a catastrophic event. And so Nancy Pelosi's point is, let's not uh, put all of those people through all of that when we've got a government shutdown going on. And uh, Trump, meanwhile, seems to be sticking to his guns. He told supporters on Tuesday that we're going to stay out for as long a, uh, as a time as we have to. I can't do the Trump accent. Sorry. Do you want to try, Joe? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so we're at that deadlock. And meanwhile, Trump is hosting football teams with burgers because the staff can't cook. I mean, the, they're not the White House cook. staff aren't there. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was that, it, have you seen the pictures of that? Yes, that was. There's like, there's like a Trump stood there in front of piles of boxes of McDonald's burgers and which, Wendy's and Wendy's and Burger King. I didn't actually. You know what? I didn't. I wasn't even sure Wendy's was still around to be honest. But um, Wendy's what? is fantastic. I've never had a Wendy's. The I know they, had, they used to have those sausages that were circular. Someone told me about the, the, the thing is, if you're in if you're in Washington DC, the place to get burgers is Five Guys, not Wendy's or McDonald's, but. Yeah, I just thought there was something it was something quite apt about Trump smugly standing behind a load of fast food. It just was like his politics. And there were some great tweets about it too, especially with the burgers on silver platters yeah, and yeah. all that. It, all, it would all be freezing cold by the time they ate it, though. That's the thing that was I so gross to me. I did think about that. that. By the time he gave his speeches and talked to the journalists and showed yeah. how amazing burgers were, it mustn't have been great. Well, one thing that really strikes me about this um, this whole debacle is obviously this flows from a stoking of um, uh, racialized anti-immigration sentiment amongst tr- Trump's mm-hmm. base. He is he is reflecting and speaking for uh, and ginning up a, a, a large group of people in, in America. And so the wall is a, a kind of a shorthand for um, the the rise of white nationalism in America. And I think that should really concern us. But, so, sorry, just before you go into that, would you say that Trump is hostage to his own supporter base? Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is a th- the thing. I think it, it sort of it, it works both ways. He's ginning them up, and and vice versa, because this debate, this shutdown, only happened because of um, a pressure he felt from uh, the the Make America Great Again crowd online. He was ready to sign a piece of legislation that had been passed by the House, 
and passed by the Senate to have a budget for the next period of time that didn't include any wall spending. It didn't include money for the wall or any kind of physical barrier on the border. And he was going to sign it. Republicans in the House had backed it. Republicans in the Senate had all voted for it. And he was about to sign it. And then Alan Coulter kicked off online, unfollowed him <laughs> on Twitter, the, the kind of nuclear nuclear bomb of, of, of Twitter activity. She unfollowed Among him. Among teenagers, usually. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and he responded to that. And it, the, the, the shutdown flows from direct uh, pressure from the MAGA crowd on, on Twitter.com. So what, you're what a Twitter timeline. Is that for, for the shutdown? <laughs> well, I don't know if we can blame if we can blame Jack Dorsey for it, but I mean, <laughs> it is this is this is how extraordinary um, the the power of uh, of the, the kind of alt right far right crowd that's backing Trump online that that he would react to that, and that yeah. is what he has reacted to, and that's quite a frightening thing. Both the the issue that he's driving the. The, the wall and what the wall represents, but also the the pressure points that he responds to. So you're a seasoned kind of America watcher, spent a lot of time out there in politics. What happens from here for those of us that, I mean, in terms of, is this a game of chicken? It's either he backs down or the Democrats back well, down, otherwise we sit here and no one gets paid I for this I think in year. Trump's terminology, he would be, quotation mark, a loser if he backs down. I mean, I think that that is that is the the problem in the immediate term. He He won't want to lose face and he... Treats, he takes that so seriously. Uh, short-term losses uh, are, are devastating to him, despite the fact that the shutdown is playing so badly for him and the Republicans in the longer term. You know, you said, uh, you know, it, it, in terms of polling and uh, what this could mean electorally, this is going very well for the Democrats. But unfortunately for the Democrats, from a sort of a cynical, ruthless point of view, they genuinely do really care that people aren't getting paid. They genuinely do really care that, you know, people mm. who work for the Secret Service or for the TSA, the TSA or elsewhere in government are having to rely on food banks. Yeah. You know, people are calling in sick from their jobs because they can't afford to put their kids into childcare. So, you know, uh, as Trump ever... Trump wins there because, as we've seen again and again, he doesn't care. I don't remember what issue it was where once where he said it's going to be a long... Was, oh, but that's fine, I won't be president, president then. <laughs> right, right. I mean, actually, it's funny, on, on uh, Radio 4 this morning, other radio stations are available. But um, they're not as good, <laughs> but they are available. Um, and they, once they were talking to a number of European politicians and they were saying... Um, what's really interesting is, is they can't believe, for example, in the Brexit debate, because of this adversarial system, that only after the deal has failed do they then go and talk about cross-party talks. In America, we've got a government shutdown where you've got this adversarial thing where we've got to the point where people aren't being paid. And you, then you've got some various European politicians sitting around and saying, well, we have a much more collegiate form of government in terms of representative government, etc. So I wonder if there's going to be questions asked, and we need to ask, ask these sorts of questions going forward, both in the UK and North America, about things like electoral systems, about the, the nature of our politics as well. Meanwhile, what you said about the people, the people suffering the most at the moment, uh, is there, could that swing a change? Could there be mass protests or something? I think there will, there will, there will start to be uh, protests from those people, but I also think that you're going to start to see regular everyday Americans who don't work for the government and only rarely come into contact with the government increasingly affected. I think the pinch point will be flights. I think that uh, airports will increasingly struggle to uh, uh, keep planes flying on time, to um, fly safely. I think there'll be longer and longer lines for security. And I think that's the point at which regular everyday Americans will say this is enough. Mm. 
and um, that there is it, is it is strangely easy to solve. There is a piece of legislation that Republicans already voted for that they could just pass again and then pass strongly enough to override uh, a Trump veto, and and we're there. That's the the, the the problem ultimately boils down to a lack of will on the part of the Republican Ooh, leadership of the Senate. Trump's pride. Mm. Or Trump's pride. No, what surprised it was the French among us that asked why there haven't been more protests. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the French do love their protests. But I mean, there has been, you could argue how much of an impact the Yellow Jackets have had in France. Mm. But Macron did make some... Um, it's raising the minimum wage, wasn't it? Yeah, and he, he now wants to have some kind of uh, public, uh, not consensus, but some kind of meeting to address... Uh, the issues, etc. I don't know how much of an impact it will have, but at least he's looking to do something. And part of it might be because of the violence that's erupted or just how long. I think it's been 10 weeks or more. And I guess maybe maybe we can wrap up on the consensus, which is the the real winners here are people that make high visibility jackets. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine the amount of money they're making at the moment? We did very tidily uh, come all the way back round to Yellow Vest. I don't think we've ever we've ever had such a tidy discussion before. But on that on that tidy note, I think we'll we'll end for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Please uh, do leave a review. It helps people find the podcast and uh, share uh, on Facebook. uh, uh, Help us grow our audience. Thank you for listening, and uh, see you next week.